0: It's really important to understand your PCOS type. This is the fastest way to start healing and reversing your PCOS because you're really gonna understand what the root of the issue is. Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight
1: own hands and reverse them naturally so i became a dietitian and my sisters feel the best
0: they've ever felt take a step in my direction if you wanna move them wrong and take control of yourself join a sister and a mister
1: okay time don't kill me with just one one last what? audio test to make sure audio levels are good Test one, two, three, test one, two, three, say it. Test one, two,
0: three, test one, two,
1: three. Test, test one, two. Test, test one, two. Testicle, testicle. I was trying to catch you. You're insane. I thought you might do it. Oh, Uh, good. Well, let's just start the episode like this then. How is everybody doing? What's up, y'all? Welcome to A Sister and Her Mister.
0: Welcome, sisters, to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister.
1: Just repeat what I just said, why don't you? Yes. Well, anyway, welcome, everyone. We're going to talk about the four PCOS types today, a very, very uh, popular subject in the PCOS community. We're going to dive into each one and explain all the symptoms and natural tips to basically, you know, help with each PCOS type. And... Time, you have something really fun right now that's trying to freeze in the freezer, right? Yes.
0: So I got influenced on Instagram to buy a creamy ninja or ninja creamy, whatever you call that thing. And I bought it because I wanted to turn my overnight oats into ice cream. I thought it would be fun. Um, but then this morning when I woke up, it's Saturday right now. So we're going to go to my cousin's house later. I was like, let me make something like a cool dessert with it. So I got the bright idea to make lemon sorbet. So, I rushed over to my sister's house. She has the best lemons. They're so sweet. They are so delicious. I picked all her lemons. She has
1: the best lemons until we get our house and I plant a lemon tree, and that will become the best lemons.
0: The competitive Sirak. Now, I took all her lemons, raced home because I only had like 10. It said online that you need 10 to 24 hours in the freezer to turn this into sorbet. So, I'm not sure. If 10 is going to be enough, but I only have had 10 hours, you know, since 8 a.m. So I'm really hoping that it's freezing right now. I tried to make it low in sugar. Hopefully it's not sour. I just have a lot of anxiety about the sorbet
1: <laughs> right now. Well, I'm thinking we'll get there because we have to leave in about 30 minutes to go there. So we'll get there. We'll, we won't take the sorbet with us. We'll leave it here. Mm-hmm. Let it keep freezing. Mm-hmm. And then your amazing sweet husband will leave the party premises and we'll come <laughs> back here and get the sorbet and come back. Once it has another four or five hours to freeze,
0: I think we'll be fine. Well, I think we'll be fine. Also, we're going there 30 minutes late. She texted me and she said she needed time and I was like, no problem. Thirty more minutes for my sorbet to freeze. Nice.
1: So what time are we leaving? Are we leaving at four? Four thirty. Four thirty. Nice.
0: And then I'm gonna get the sorbet and stuff it back into the lemon. That I sliced in half. Oh. So it's gonna be really, really cute. You're Didn't gonna eat d- it out of the lemon.
1: Yeah. Didn't they do that in Italy or they did that somewhere? Yeah. I think I that's don't like know. something you buy from Costco, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. They have
1: it where like they have it in like a lemon shell. Yeah. And you eat it out of it. I think they have one with like watermelon, yeah. et cetera. And like you just eat it out of the shell of the exactly. real fruit. I don't know how real the shell is, but you know. I, d-
0: I mean, I think it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to fake that. Okay. So I'm nervous. Let's see how this goes. I'll post about it. Nice. I was in such a frenzy making it, I didn't post myself making it. But Uh, that would be really good fun stories. Okay.
1: We'll do it next time.
0: So let's read some Testimonies for Testimony Tuesday.
1: So there's a lot of tests happening well, in this episode for some reason. Well,
0: you started it, c
1: My goodness. Okay. This is taking a wild turn, sisters. <laughs> well, our first win of the week is from Michelle in the Sisterhood. This was her message in, in the Facebook group. She says, after one month of making diet changes and taking ovacetol, I actually got my period. Mm-hmm. I went into this saying, even if I got my period this month and not a positive pregnancy test, that is still a big win. And it is. My clothes are feeling a lot better, too, which is an added plus grateful for this community and all of Time hikatorion's hard work i have learned so much
0: oh michelle sounds like you're on the right track
1: great job michelle and thank you for your message we really appreciate always hearing sisters positive experiences whether it's with like diet changes or with the changes of adding ovacetol and for anyone who is interested in trying out ovacetol there's a 15 percent off link in the description of this episode but awesome michelle let's go on to our next win of the week
0: Woo! This one is from Laura from The Sisterhood. She says, I have to give credit to Tallinn because these recipes are amazing. My husband quit eating gluten about 10 years ago to get rid of his migraines, which worked by the way. And my six year old has a dairy and peanut allergy. So I'm not new to cooking gluten and dairy free. I've bought dozens of gluten-free, allergy-free, anti-inflammatory, paleo, whole 30 cookbooks, and the first three recipes I made for my family have been immediate hits with all ages on par with favorites we found after years of recipe tweaking. Of course, I was hoping we'd like these recipes as much as our usual fare, but the last three out of three recipes have been superior. For reference, we've had the meatloaf with mashed cauliflower and green beans, the chimichurri steak bowls, and the bagels with spinach, egg and pesto girl you need a book deal (laughs) these have been simpler to make and just as delicious if not more than anything from danielle walker on fed and fit honestly. What a sweet message. It always means so much to me when sisters comment about the recipes in the sisterhood, because I worked with a recipe developer to create them. I'm a registered dietitian, and I wanted to create this collection of recipes that actually taste good and are actually healing for PCOS. So these things really mean so much to me. If you ever make a recipe that I posted, tag me.
1: Especially how Laura was basically cooking for her entire family, her husband and her a six-year-old who also has a dairy and uh, and other allergies. Mm-hmm. So it's really awesome to see like this whole family thing happening with the recipes. is so wholesome, and we're yeah. so happy to be a part of it. And like with everyone who knows, like how much we've been working on the recipe section of the Sisterhood. The last three months, we've like completely revamped it. So it's just awesome to see these kinds of messages, and we hope to continue to improve that. And, you know, one day. We might just come out with that cookbook. Oh, snap. One day.
0: We'll see. Maybe we will. That sounds like fun. Yeah.
1: But I don't know, like, the way, like, the way, you know, technology is going and the way people like yeah. to consume is, like, I feel like, do people still like a physical book or do they just want the app with all the recipes and yeah. the videos of the actual recipes? I like, don't know. But the, the book is just so, like, classic, you know, who doesn't like having a nice book on their yeah. table or their coffee book? or the coffee shelf what yeah, is it
0: called a co- coffee table a coffee table yeah no a coffee table book i obsess over cookbooks like honestly i would have a if i could a whole library of cookbooks and yeah. like never get bored but that's maybe that's just me i don't know
1: let us know sisters write to us on instagram if you would prefer a, a cookbook or like just Videos. everything digital or you know or maybe both
0: Yeah. All right. So we did a poll in the sisterhood and we asked our fellow sisters, what PCOS types do they think that they struggle with the most? And we're going to read off some of these answers to you and tell you what percentage of sisters uh, felt they had certain PCOS types. So let's get into it. 5% said that they have hypothyroid one of the PCOS types. Mm -hmm.
1: And the third highest on the list was adrenal fatigue at 24%. -hmm. Second, um, which is very close to adrenal fatigue at 26% was inflammation.
0: Yes. And 45% was insulin resistance, Mm -hmm. which is very in line with some of the information we are going to share with you about different PCOS types in this episode.
1: Yeah. And majority of PCOS women do struggle with insulin resistance. We always talk about it 8 out of 10 Mm -hmm. women with PCOS have insulin resistance and that can be the precursor to so many other symptoms and keep in mind that insulin resistance can be combined with other types as well and we'll get more into that in this episode but a lot of these types can be combinations. And speaking of PCOS types, before we really go ahead and break down each PCOS type and give you natural tips for each one, um, I'd encourage you to take the PCOS type quiz that we have in the description. It's a completely free quiz, takes about one to two minutes, and it's not a diagnosis or anything like that, but it can help um, help steer you in the right direction to know what your root cause of your PCOS type or PCOS may be and give you some next steps.
0: Yes, it is a helpful quiz pushing you in the right direction. So let's get into it about PCOS types. So the first thing you want to know is that it's really important to understand your PCOS type. This is the fastest way to start healing and reversing your PCOS because you're really going to understand what the root of the issue is. Now, you can look at the signs and the symptoms, but also I encourage you to get lab work done and review the results with a doctor because that's really going to show you what level of uh, seriousness the, the PCOS types are. If you have insulin resistance, to what degree, how bad is it?
1: And keep in mind when we talk about the four PCOS types and the, and the PCOS type quiz, these are not diagnoses. It's more of a, a categorization of your root causes to help you get started with your next steps, to really see where you should focus on with your energy to help reverse your PCOS.
0: Yes. To get a diagnosis, you would have to speak with your doctor and physician.
1: Correct. They do the full lab work mm-hmm. and really help you focus on Word. what's going on yeah.
0: exactly so let's get into it without further further ado <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> all right what are the four pcos types starting with inflammation now inflammation is something that's very common with pcos Everyone with PCOS has chronic inflammation and it builds up over time. So it just varies from person to person how much inflammation they have. Now, some symptoms of inflammation are weight loss plateau, having a plateau, uh, feeling fatigued all the time, feeling bloated. I personally had a lot of cystic acne and skin issues and ovarian cysts as well Um, and joint pain. My sister had joint pain when she had chronic inflammation. Everyone's like, what is inflammation? Like, what does it mean? What is happening to my body when I have chronic inflammation?
1: So we always hear the talk about inflammation, but sometimes... We don't get a full explanation of how it can affect women with PCOS, but essentially, when it comes to inflammation, there's two different types. There's acute and chronic. What inflammation is? It's part of the body's defense mechanism. So when it sees a foreign uh, stimuli like a bacteria or something that's harmful, the body sends its white blood cells to that specific area to fight it to get rid of it. Now, when it's something acute, acute means short and rapid, like something that's short term. When you get an injury or a short term like infection, your body sends blood cells to that area and basically gets rid of it that's acute short-term gone but what happens with women with PCOS is chronic inflammation where you basically if you're constantly exposed to certain things like gluten dairy um, other harmful substances uh, sugar is also one of them it can essentially cause your body to be always stuck in that inflammation battleground because all of these foods and all these things are causing a battleground for inflammation your body's constantly trying to fight it and even though this is a defense mechanism it creates a lot of unneeded energy on your on your immune system it causes your body not to focus on other body uh, functions. functions exactly yeah.
0: that is such a good explanation Um, Everyone, you know, feels very confused about chronic inflammation sometimes. So some of the things that really helped me reduce my chronic inflammation personally was going gluten and dairy free. And that's why I always suggest trying it for at least 30 days to see how you feel, to see if your symptoms of inflammation get any better. Um, It made a huge difference for me. There are studies that show that gluten can be very inflammatory. And when you consume gluten, your body releases this protein called zonulin. And what happens is that kind of loosens up the gut lining and allows the gluten molecule to get through and into your bloodstream, creating chronic inflammation. I mean, that's just one of the ways that it can affect you. Um, And then there are other things you can do that also help reduce inflammation. Personally, this has really helped me. Uh, Supplementing. So supplements like CoQ10, curcumin, vitamin D as well, which many women with PCOS are deficient in. These are supplements that act as antioxidants and kind of pick up those um, inflammatory molecules in our body and help us like get them out of our system.
1: Yeah, I mean, reducing chronic inflammation is really important because every time or every day your body's fighting that chronic inflammation it's not focusing on improving other areas like insulin resistance yeah or 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 let's say improving your thyroid whatever Mm -hmm. um, hormonal imbalance there may be happening yeah your body won't be able to fully focus on it and and reverse it if it's constantly fighting inflammation in the body Mm -hmm. whether it's gluten whether it's dairy or something else that you may be eating or or consuming that may be causing that inflammation yeah going back to supplements too like one of my favorite favorite supplements For reducing inflammation is curcumin. It is has so many research studies behind it, and has specific research studies with P C O S women taking curcumin, and they're amazing. Like the results that come from it, Mm -hmm. they they reported lower um, inflammatory inflammation Mm -hmm. levels. What was inflammatory
0: cytokines?
1: That's right, inflammatory cytokines. So this is that's one of the reasons why we included one of the best absorbable curcumin's in the world into our metabolism plus bundle. It felt like if we didn't include curcumin, Mm -hmm. then how are we helping those with, with inflammation?
0: Yeah. We wanted to target that since yeah. everyone with PCOS has inflammation to some degree.
1: Yeah. And the toughest part, too, with reducing inflammation is like the diet part, because essentially the biggest infl- inflammation mm-hmm. comes from the foods we eat. Yeah. So you want to find like anti-inflammatory recipes that are maybe gluten-free, dairy-free and, and removes other unnecessary ingredients. Sugar. Yeah.
0: yeah. Dyes, you know. Yeah. That's why I've created that collection in the sisterhood that we mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can always check out some of the recipes we have on Instagram on reels that you can see like examples of what we make in this sisterhood Mm -hmm. to basically give you an idea of how to meal prep and and, and so forth.
0: Yes. Now, the second type of PCOS that's very common is insulin resistance. And up to 80% of women with PCOS have insulin resistance. That is so many of us some eight argue out of 10. yeah eight out of 10. some argue that all of us have a level of insulin resistance um so you might be feeling hungry all the time sugar cravings maybe you struggle with stubborn belly fat these are all signs of having insulin with uh, i mean in, insulin resistance now women with pcos we tend to have this as a genetic component. So there may be people in your family that have had diabetes and diabetes can be passed down from generation to generation in mm-hmm. the form of insulin resistance.
1: Yeah. Do you want to explain what insulin resistance is? Because your explanation yeah. of is, is so good and I think it makes people understand what's really happening.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've explained it so many times, but for it's been a while since I've like fully explained it with like the hand gestures. <laughs> Usually when we go live, she does the hand gestures as I explain this, but basically when we eat carbs, they break down into sugar in our body, right? And what's supposed to happen is the hormone insulin is supposed to take that sugar and give it to our cells to burn for energy so that we can have energy, so that we're not fatigued, so that we can metabolize and naturally lose weight and not feel like we're gaining weight all the time, which is typically how women feel when they have insulin resistance. Now, what happens with insulin resistance is the cell is not responding to the hormone insulin, and it refuses to receive that sugar molecule that has been broken down from the food that you ate. And what happens is that sugar stores as fat, especially in the midsection, especially around our liver and our organs, and can lead to fatty liver and belly fat, things like that. And then insulin is left floating around in our bloodstream, triggering high testosterone in our ovaries. Then we see PCOS symptoms like irregular periods, um, infertility, ovarian cysts, and so on and so forth. So clearly what happens with insulin resistance is There is a huge connection between insulin resistance and hormonal imbalance. And that's why it's really important to realize that if you have insulin resistance, which so many of us do, there is a lot you can actually do about it. Yes. How was that explanation? That
1: was so good. That was so good. And it really explains the symptoms behind insulin resistance, everything you explained Mm because the high testosterone that you mentioned caused by insulin resistance can then lead to cystic acne, Mm -hmm. can lead to... um, PCOS belly, yeah, as well as hair loss, facial hair, facial and, hair, acne. Yeah, and that's why so many women with PCOS get that uncontrollable weight gain uh, from the high levels of insulin. Uh, insulin, and then people blame them like, oh, you're yeah. not, you're not uh, eating less, you're not working out hard exactly. enough. When in reality. It's the insulin hormone that's causing them to mm-hmm. gain weight rapidly and it's like not their fault. Yeah,
0: it's not your fault and it's a genetic thing too. There's stuff you can do about it, but it's not your fault, like Siddhak yeah. said.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you go to your doctor, you wanna make sure that they are accurately assessing if you have insulin resistance. Checking A one C and glucose levels, only those two doesn't cut it. You wanna ask your doctor to measure your H-O-M-A mm-hmm. dash I-R score. Homa I-R
0: score. Homa
1: I-R. That's H-O-M-A dash I-R
0: score. Yeah. And so what you can do for that is actually you can test your fasting insulin. You can test your fasting glucose. And then you can go on Google and look up the Homa I-R calculator online and plug in those numbers. Mm-hmm. And it'll calculate it for you, your score. Now, if your score is less than one, you're insulin sensitive, which is good. And then if it's greater than 1.9, then you have early insulin resistance. And then if it's above 2.9, you have significant insulin resistance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: that's a great way to figure out if you have insulin resistance.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, if you're above 2.9, it's still possible to, to lower that back down to, mm-hmm. to being less than 1. It just takes, again diet lifestyle changes that that we'll talk about right now.
0: Exactly. So some of the things that helped me manage my insulin resistance, we'll start with diet change. Um, Going dairy-free was a huge factor. Dairy contains a hormone called insulin-like growth factor, and that can raise your insulin levels and make you store more fat and increase androgen levels. Um, And so that if you have insulin resistance, the last thing you want to do is eat something that raises your insulin levels. So going dairy-free made a huge difference for me. Also, I really had to make sure that I was choosing foods that were low in sugar, that weren't like drastically impacting my blood sugar. I had to cut down on the desserts, swapped out my sugar for like xylitol if I wanted to make dessert. Um, I made sure that when I was snacking on fruits, I was also having nuts with it so that it can slow down the absorption of the sugar from the fruit into my bloodstream. So it wasn't like I was just snacking on sugar and fruit all day. yeah Um, yeah, and then the slow weighted workouts
1: yes so if you have insulin resistance with pcos it's a must that you do a some form of strength training workouts Mm -hmm. our favorite is slow weighted workouts because they're low intensity and we'll get to why that's really important with our next pcos type but research shows that when you do uh, strength training workouts it actually helps your body become more insulin sensitive which is really important especially doing lower body workouts like like leg workouts squats deadlifts yeah forward lunges all of those will actually help you become more insulin sensitive uh, Mm -hmm. because you have more muscle in your thighs those will help to pick up the excess sugar in your bloodstream and burn it for energy so the great thing about strength training it doesn't stop there when you do slow weighted workouts it also helps improve your metabolism and help you more help you burn more calories throughout the day even when you're not working out so all in all like we really really think slow weighted workouts Essentially, low-intensity strength training workouts are a must and should be part of your uh, your PCOS routine.
0: I could not agree more. It made a huge difference. I made all the diet changes. I discovered my carb tolerance, which also really helped. But the slow-weighted workouts and building that muscle really helped me sustain satiety throughout the day. So after lunch, I was able to go three, four hours without eating something, without feeling like I'm going to pass out, and that's because of the muscle that. I put on my body that was helping with my metabolism and my hormone health and not feeling hungry all the time. Mm -hmm. So that makes a huge difference. Now, if you have... Uh, genetically, if you have like insulin resistance, if you know you have someone with diabetes in your family or no matter what you do, you simply need a little more support with the insulin resistance, um, consider taking an ovacetol supplement. It's the most researched supplement for PCOS and has shown to help women with PCOS in so many ways, not just the insulin resistance, but with cravings, irregular periods, mood, and studies show that it works just as effectively as metformin, except without all the side effects effects
1: yes absolutely so,
0: we have that linked as well
1: yep it has a 15 percent off uh code when you go to the link in the description but yeah definitely so we, we could basically summarize like everything that you can do for insulin resistance including including diet changes either going gluten-free dairy-free mm-hmm. finding your carb tolerance eating more we're gonna talk about eating more protein but yeah. eating more protein is essential for um uh, reducing cravings and helping the absorbing of the uh, sugar into your bloodstream yeah and uh, Talking about slow weighted workouts, uh, strength training workouts, and of course, supplementing with something like Ovacetal. So, yes. I think that. Summarizes insulin resistance, I mean, it's a huge one. one it's a that, huge
0: one, there's a yeah. lot more to even say about it. You yeah. know, we have episodes about it, podcast episodes, only about insulin resistance, because there's just so much to say.
1: That's a great point, babe. So if for anyone who wants to listen to more about insulin resistance, which I highly recommend, go to one of our recent podcast episodes. We talked about specifically insulin resistance. Maybe you'll just have to scroll through the feed a little bit, but definitely um, listen to that to get more information.
0: Yes. Now, the third type of PCOS that's very common is adrenal fatigue. Studies show that around 30% of women with PCOS have adrenal fatigue. Now, this is when you just feel like you cannot get off the couch or out of bed. You're fatigued all the time. You rely on coffee as a crutch. Um, No matter how much you sleep, you're always tired or you struggle with sleeping at all. Yes, this is adrenal fatigue. It's not your fault. It's a hormonal issue. And that doesn't mean that you're lazy. Now, remember, when you have adrenal fatigue, this means that you have these little adrenal glands that are above your kidneys that are overproducing stress hormones. And when they're overproducing stress hormones, they're taking away from your body's ability to produce other hormones like progesterone, which is necessary for you to have a good mood, control your weight, ovulate, have hormonal balance, have your period. And so your body's just overproducing all of these stress hormones. Instead of the hormones necessary for fertility and Period, health.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of women with PCOS experience cortisol dysregulation where they're, where they're not able to lower back down their cortisol levels efficiently and then their cortisol levels stay high throughout the night and then cause them fatigue. So earlier on, we talked about you know um, avoiding really intense workouts and that's one of those reasons why. If you feel like you suffer from high cortisol, then you want to see if reducing those high-intensity workouts help mm-hmm. or at least make, making sure that you do them in the morning so that you're not getting that cortisol raise Later in the day.
0: Exactly. So, some of the things that have really helped me with my adrenal fatigue um, when I was really struggling, especially in college, um, was prioritizing sleep and making sure that I was getting eight hours of sleep at night and having good sleep hygiene at night. So, I'm not staring at my phone, maybe I'm reading a book, no alcohol before bed, because that can really affect my sleep as well. Mm-hmm. And that those habits really helped me harness eight hours of sleep at night so that I could wake up energized and refreshed. Um, and it did take me a while to get used to it, but it actually made a huge difference it Helped me focus in class um, and helped me manage my stress throughout the day.
1: Oh yeah, for, yeah. Sure. for sure. That really helps. And also keep in mind that Um, You can really know More about your Cortisol levels If you get a Saliva cortisol test Many different Mm -hmm. companies Offer this now online So I would just Highly recommend Searching on Google Yeah A saliva cortisol test We did that Yeah we we do We do it a lot With Equalife They have like a whole Like saliva and hormone And metabolism test Mm -hmm. Which can be A little bit more expensive Because it covers Like everything Mm -hmm. But if you want to Just look for your um, Specifically for your uh, Cortisol levels You can also just Look for a saliva Cortisol test But what what it essentially does is in the morning, you kind of spit into a tube and then you do it again at, uh, before lunch, before dinner, and then Mm -hmm. before you sleep so that's like four times throughout the day and then the lab will look at your cortisol levels throughout the day to see how your body is essentially adjusting its cortisol levels so does that mean that so it will look and see do you have really low cortisol in the morning because your cortisol your cortisol is supposed to be high in the morning so Mm -hmm. they can check that is your cortisol high in the evening because it's supposed to be low in the evening so they can check that Mm -hmm. and basically you can really learn where your cortisol levels are too high or too low and take a supplement accordingly so for example a supplement that a lot of people would recommend is magnesium it's really great because it can lower your cortisol levels relax your body it's also great for cramping like if you get a lot of uh, muscle cramps um, especially during your menstrual cycle so a lot of these can be uh helped by magnesium as well it just depends like do you have high cortisol at night and should you take it at night to combat yeah. that or do you just have low cortisol the entire day and that makes you just fatigued all day. If that's the case, then then there might be something else you should take.
0: Yeah, exactly. It can get tricky and it's hard to just like guess what's going on. So a saliva test can be really helpful. So I love that. I'm glad you mentioned that. I almost forgot to say it. And then we also mentioned doing slower workouts. I personally did intense workouts at the time. I was kickboxing every single day and getting anxiety from it. And I was like lying to myself saying that I'm fine. I'm fine. Because during the kickboxing, I had like an adrenaline rush and it felt good. And then I learned that that is really triggering the adrenal fatigue afterwards. So you might think that the workout's fine because you're getting that adrenaline rush and you're happy and you're into it. But if you're crashing afterwards, then it means that it's contributing to your adrenal fatigue.
1: Yes, exactly. All right, well, let's head over to our final and- uh, Fourth. Final, but not least, uh, PCOS type. And, or no, it's the saying goes, last but not least, PCOS type. And that is hypothyroid.
0: Yes. So hypothyroid. Now, this one is a tricky one because symptoms of hypothyroid are similar to symptoms of PCOS. And oftentimes women with PCOS don't realize that they have hypothyroid and nothing you do works, but it's really your thyroid. It's not your fault. So getting lab work done to figure this part out is very important to Mm -hmm. see like to what degree you have hypothyroid. Do you need medication? What is going on?
1: Yeah. And often it's it's misdiagnosed because doctors will sometimes only test TSH and total T4, which is standard, but it fails to provide the complete picture of what's happening. What you need is a full thyroid panel Mm -hmm. where it tests TSH, T4, T3, free T4 and T3, reverse T3, TPO and TGAB. <laughs>
0: Did you write that down, sister? Oh,
1: oh yeah. Rewind that if you want, but I'll say you know, I'll say it one more time for free. Same. TSH, <laughs> TSH, T4, T3, free T4 and T3, reverse T3, <laughs> TPO and TGAB.
0: Wow. That's a lot of stuff, but that's a full-time panel. And keep in
1: mind, too, like, normal, when I say normal, I put that in the quotation marks, Mm -hmm. normal lab ranges are not as specific as functional. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I always want to clarify as much as possible. So what we we what we mean by normal <laughs> lab ranges is sometimes the lab test will look at a, a certain thing so, so for example it's looking at vitamin d levels right i'm making these numbers up to mm-hmm. just go with me here a normal lab range may say that if your vitamin d levels are from three to eight that you're good right three to eight like the range of three to eight but a functional lab will say no your vitamin D levels are good if it's between 4 and 6. So a lot tighter window, 4 and 6, you only have two-point difference. Whereas a normal lab might say 3 and 8, a much bigger difference, a bigger range for you to be, quote-unquote, acceptable in right so a functional will be a little it's like a functional is like you went to an ivy college and they're being a lot more strict on your grades right whereas normal is all the the teacher's giving you a little bit of a curve the whole class is failing which is actually this is such oh my goodness this is the best analogy i've uh, accidentally made what normal lab ranges follow by the way is the average lab ranges of what everybody is testing so what happens over time as people get more and more unhealthy the acceptable lab lab ranges get worse if that makes sense They, they change with like literally Dr. Phyllis Gersh explained this to us when we went to her office she literally said the reason why these numbers are, might be acceptable is because they're taking the average of everybody else's and and coming up with like what's acceptable.
0: Yeah. And one might argue or not argue that everyone else, everyone in the United States is struggling from some sort of health condition. Yeah. And when you average it out, it's just what are we averaging here? Yeah. Is this the goal or yeah, is because most people are, you know, not at goal. So it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, so like, I love it. Normal lab ranges are like teachers giving a curve to the entire class because the entire class is failing or something.
0: know, <laughs> S- <laughs> found a new analogy.
1: All right, well, anyway, okay. we talked talk about that enough.
0: Okay, so what are we going to do about it? We're going to get a full thyroid panel to detect the severity of the situation. And then what you can do is actually, you can go gluten-free. Studies found that people with celiac disease are three times more likely to have a thyroid issue. And that thyroid issue gets better and has shown to completely go into remission when gluten is removed. Very interesting. Um, Now, this can be the case if you don't have celiac disease as well. And if you have hypothyroidism, it's really important to know that there is some kind of connection here. Now, there are actually studies that show that the gluten molecule or a protein in gluten, it's called gliadin. And it looks the same as the thyroid molecule through something called molecular mimicry. And so your immune system can mistakenly identify gliadin as an intruder when you eat gluten and attack it and produce antibodies to that gliadin. And because through molecular mimicry, that gliadin looks like the thyroid molecule, your body might attack the thyroid molecule Mm -hmm. as well. So studies show if you are sensitive to gluten and you have hypothyroidism, it may be the case that your body is responding in this way every time you eat gluten and attacking both the gliadin and the thyroid molecule. So if you have hypothyroidism, keep this in mind, it might behoove you to Try going gluten free. I yeah. don't like to shove it on people. I'm just saying, yeah, try yeah. it. Maybe it'll help.
1: No, there's real research showing that showing uh, this behind gluten and thyroid. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind too, um, uh, there's other like
0: other ways to
1: other ways to, of yeah. course, improve improve your thyroid as well. So there's some natural things you can do. For example, supplements. Iodine is really uh, is a very natural supplement that's mm-hmm. taken for thyroid. But I would say honestly, like there's of there's of course like selenium, zinc. Tyrosine, but if you go on like Amazon and, and if you if you search thyroid supplements, there's a lot of different ones from like Pure Encapsulations or Thorne Labs, which are very highly regarded as mm-hmm. high quality supplements. They have like specific um, thyroid supplements to take, but those are only if you're like in the early stages of having like thyroid issues. Sometimes if you're really in the severe stages then you need to also focus on maybe going gluten-free or doing other dietary changes, other uh, lifestyle changes. Of course, working with your doctor one-on-one to see if even those supplements work for you. Mm -hmm. But other things to also think of is like including a good amount of essential fats in your food. So for example, like extra virgin, virgin olive oil, flaxseed oil, Um, nuts and seeds these actually help to improve thyroid hormone levels as well as um, help your cell receptors become more able to make up to to take up the thyroid hormone
0: yeah especially uh, brazil nuts which have selenium in them yeah Um, i've heard and read that people with hypothyroid should eat like two brazil nuts a day Mm -hmm. just to get that daily dose of selenium which i find very interesting
1: And also improving your liver health will also help with your thyroid health as well. Eating foods that boost both your liver liver function and detoxification—oh my goodness, I cannot uh,
0: read—will
1: help your liver involved in the conversion of thyroid hormones, as well as boosting your metabolism, which is lowered with underactive thyroid. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, including including some foods like garlic, onions, beetroot, eggs, leeks, apples, turmeric. Curcumin Tumerc. right Cinnamon These are, can all help With le- liver detoxification
0: Yes cool. I love that explanation Yeah
1: And just a Last bit of things I just I can't stop Keep going uh, <laughs> You know Exercise is really important We've been talking about it Throughout this Throughout this entire episode But Um, Exercise, especially in the mornings, can help boost thyroid hormone levels as it helps to stimulate your thyroid gland for thyroid hormone production as well as boosting metabolism. And then the last thing I'll go into, which we talked about earlier, is stress. This is super, super key and I really think a lot of thyroid issues can be attributed to chronic stress including myself. But essentially, when when you have increased cortisol levels, it decreases the production of the key thyroid simulating hormone, as well as inhibiting conversion of T4 to T3. Mm -hmm. As you can tell, I'm reading right now.
0: No, but that's true. (laughs) But so So
1: I'll say it again. When you have high cortisol, it decreases the production of the key thyroid simulating hormone as well as inhibiting conversion of t4 to t3
0: yeah it slows down your thyroid the more stressed out you are it suppresses it it inhibits the conversion like sirak said from t4 to t3 yeah your numbers get out of whack when you do uh when you do the full thyroid panel you'll see you know if this is something that is having an effect on your thyroid
1: yeah and like something i'll like i'll be totally transparent about my recent um lab work is surprisingly Everything about my lab work, about my thyroid was perfectly healthy, but my TSH was a little high. And even the doctor was a bit puzzled because everything about my lab work was really good, like my cholesterol, my testosterone, everything, including all the other thyroid um, hormones were really good. And, you know, I really think part of mine is due to stress, chronic stress, you know, the stress that we all usually get from just work and life. So I think maybe... That's something I need to work on myself is reduce that stress, do things like more meditation, yoga, really calm myself down.
0: Yeah. What really helped me when I was struggling with chronic stress, especially with my adrenal issues, um, was like a shift in mindset and doing a lot of like deep work with therapy and also kind of like backing off, like overstudying and overachieving and just saying like, you know what, I need to relax. And it's, it seems like the more I relaxed, the more I was able to learn in class and the better I actually did. Mm. So sometimes that stress can actually not push us forward and instead push us back. And we get stressed about it and more stressed about it so we can move forward and life just gets harder because yeah. of that mindset yeah it's very interesting
1: something i've been trying too is cold therapy is basically going into uh, doing a cold shower at the end of my uh, showers like for 15 seconds because it actually shows that it can stimulate your adrenals which support thyroid function so like a short cold to warm to cold shower can be like really helpful in doing that stimulation of course i don't think it's a cure for thyroid issues but it can be a lifestyle yeah it can be one of those things you add in but
0: yeah. yeah I mean, you can do all the things and get your thyroid tested again and see what's going on and see if it helped um, and talk to your doctor about it.
1: So I think that summarizes the four PCS types. Just a reminder in the description we have the PCS type quiz, really short 2 minute quiz to help you pinpoint what your PCS type may be. Just a reminder it's not a diagnosis, but can help you uh, get started in the, in the with your next steps. But I guess that is it So, time. What do you think how do you, how do you think your sorbet oh is? Oh my
0: god, I'm literally dying to go downstairs yeah, right now. It's been and like check. an
1: hour since we got started earlier on. Like,
0: let's go check it,
1: yeah, but what are, what are you gonna do if it's like, like water?
0: I'm just gonna leave it. yeah, and then I'm yeah, just leave gonna, it. We're gonna go there, eat dinner. Maybe I'll come back and check yeah. if it's ready, but it's so embarrassing. We'll go empty-handed to her house.
1: <laughs> Why'd you do it last You're night? Like I
0: tried to make sorbet.
1: What <laughs> happened last night?
0: I didn't think of it last night. Oh, I woke you up this morning, morning. Okay. with this bright idea at eight thirty, dashed over to my sister, like took all the lemons off her tree and dashed back.. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All right, sisters.
1: that's hilarious
0: We'll talk to you soon, sisters. We will, hopefully you'll watch our stories and see what happens to the sorbet. Yeah. And until next time.
1: Take care. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Talk to you soon. Bye. What if you had an app for PCOS that could tell you what to eat, when to work out, and how to track your goals every day?
1: Introducing the Sisterhood app. Not only does the Sisterhood app give you access to the largest community of women with PCOS, but it also provides you with a daily PCOS plan.
0: Your daily PCOS plan tells you exactly what to eat for each meal of the day. It's like having me as a dietitian in your pocket. It also sends you a notification when it's time to work out, and it provides step-by-step videos to help you reverse your biggest PCOS symptoms.
1: You also get access to 100-plus gluten and dairy-free recipes, the 5 Steps to PCOS Weight Loss Masterclass, and a full PCOS-friendly workout library to choose from.
0: But let's not forget the most crucial component of PCOS Weight Loss, the support. You're not alone. In the sisterhood, you become part of the largest community of PCOS women where you can chat with us in our private Facebook group. Sirak, myself, and your fellow sisters are in there every day to answer your questions and support you along the way.
1: So what are you waiting for? You can head over to the App Store and search Sisterhood or click the link in the description to get started today.
0: See you in there.